Our scripture lesson for this morning is the Song of Mary. We'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. Uh, Luke 1, 46 to 56. But before we go to God's word, let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. The Lord, as we turn our attention to your word this morning, we ask that you would be here with us. We ask that you would speak uh, through the words of scripture into our lives today that we might come to understand who you are and who you have created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 1, 46 to 56. Listen to the word of God. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as the echoes of Mary's song still hang in the air, we ask that you would help them to find their way into our lives, that we might come to know who you are as we celebrate Christmas this year. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. My soul magnifies the Lord. These are the words that Mary sings as she finds herself expecting Christ. Mary, expecting Jesus, sings. She breaks into song as she anticipates the arrival of Jesus. Anticipation, preparation, expectation, These are really important words for us as we get ready for Christmas. I think about how long we've been preparing for the arrival of Christmas Day, which will come this week. Think about all the energy and all the work that's gone into the preparation and anticipation. We have spent a month getting ready for Christmas. Okay, it's not not exactly a month. If you actually want to do the math, it's probably more like... 11 months we've been getting ready for Christmas. Wait, we've been anticipating this day since last Christmas. There's so much expectation that goes into this holiday. We have expectations for Christmas Day itself. We have expectations about how we're going to feel on Christmas Day, about, about the people that we will see or the people with, with whom we will spend our time and have conversations and talk on the phone. We have expectations about the Christmas cards we will receive, and some of us even have expectations about what may appear under the tree that morning. We have expectations for Christmas Day. But we also have much deeper expectations. Expectations not just for the day, but expectations of Christ himself. Expectations for for what Christ does in our lives, for what we can hope from Christ, for how he will act in and among and through and with us. We have expectations not just of Christmas, 
but of Jesus. And we're not alone in this. Uh, People have had expectations for Jesus since long before he was born. In fact, uh, all the great characters we love so much from the scriptural stories of Christmas that they all have their own expectations. If you think about uh, those wonderful little nativity scenes uh, we, we put on our mantles and on our tables, we have one in the Robinson room. All those scenes, they have so many characters from the Christmas story, the, the, the wise men, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. Each of these characters has an expectation of Jesus. And each of these characters expects something slightly different. And so as we head into the the end of our time of expectation and preparation, it's worth spending some time looking at what these different characters expected and what they learned. The best to start with is probably the magi or the the wise men or the kings, whatever you want to call them. Uh, We'll start with them because they were the last ones to arrive. Uh, They were late to the party. They They got the address wrong. The Magi probably did not appear on Christmas Day itself. They probably came a bit later. But uh, the Magi came because they saw something in the heavens. They saw something in the stars that indicated the world was changing. That a new power would be among them. And so these wise men traveled to find this uh, newborn king at his birth. And expecting that this newborn king would have tremendous authority, tremendous wealth, tremendous power, they looked in the most natural of places. They went to the halls of power. They went to the, to the fortress of Herod the Great. They went to the, the tower of a conquering king. They went to find Jesus with the earthly kings, expecting him to be born in a palace. They had tremendous expectations for this Christ child. They expected great things from the newborn king, from God with us. And yet they learned that his power would not play out in the same way as earth-born kings. They learned that the earthly kings used their power in a different way, that, that Christ came not to prolong the reign of earthly kings, but Christ came to proclaim good news to the poor and freedom to the oppressed, that Christ came so that the hungry would be fed. Christ came to use his power to seek and save the lost. Now, good news to the poor, that's very good news if you happen to be poor. To the rest of us, This is kind of a kick in the pants. Good news to the poor means it's time for us to get to work. It's a call to action. It's a call to be part of the good news to the hungry and the oppressed. It's time to do the work that our congregation did yesterday, delivering baskets to our neighbors. It's time to do the work of of caring for the, the, the smallest members of our community like we do with our friendship preschool. It's time to do the work, even with our finances, we've been doing in our uh, stewardship campaign and our pledge drive. As a little reminder, if you haven't pledged, now is the time. It's time for us to do the work to be part of the good news to the poor, to do the work to be part of feeding the hungry, to do the work to help free the oppressed. We talked about this last week. The Magi learned that Christ would come with power, but it would be power he would use for the powerless. The Magi expected power, and they learned it would be used for the powerless. But they're not the only ones with expectations. 
Now, the shepherds have their own expectations. The shepherds are fascinating. You see, the shepherds, they may have known all of the prophecies. They may have known uh, the passages like that from Isaiah that talks about uh, good news for the poor and, and freedom for the oppressed. They may have known the saving word that their, their forebears had passed down from generation to generation. They may have known the stories of God's mercy from the depths of the past to the end of the age to be, but they expected God's mercy to appear in the depths of the past or at the end of the age to be. What happened to them on Christmas, the good news caught them by surprise while they were quite literally minding their own business. They were shepherds. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Christmas came to them at work. They knew what to expect. They just didn't expect it. They never expected the good news of the gospel to invade their job performance. They never expected the good news of the gospel to show up on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Wednesday. They never expected the good news of the gospel to invade their lives in ordinary ways in the midst of ordinary things while they went through their normal business on normal days. The shepherds knew what to expect. They just didn't expect it. They didn't expect the gospel to invade the normal stuff of life. The shepherds never saw it coming. The wise men expected power, and they learned that that power would be used for the powerless. The the shepherds knew what to expect, and they learned to expect it even in normal life. And then we get to Joseph. Now, Joseph has a completely different set of expectations because our Joseph kind of cheats. The angel gives him the answers. Right? Joseph knows ahead of time exactly what's coming. He knows that this child will be very special, and Joseph knows that it will turn his life upside down and inside out, and Joseph is ready for his entire life to turn over when this child is born. But he underestimates just how much turning will occur when Christ arrives. This is why the angel has to come back to Joseph and alert him that this this birth, the birth of Christ, is throwing tyrants down from their thrones and it is endangering the political powers around him. The angel has to warn Joseph to get moving and protect Jesus and Mary by taking them into Egypt. The angel has to explain to Joseph that not only is his life about to turn, but the entire world is about to turn upside down and inside out. Everything they knew or thought they knew is about to change, even about life and death itself. Joseph knew what to expect. He just didn't know how big it would be. Joseph knew his life was about to turn. He never realized that the entire world was about to turn. Each of these characters has a different set of expectations. The magi expect power and they learn that it will be used for the powerless. The shepherds know what to expect and they learn to expect it in the midst of their ordinary lives. Joseph knows that his life is about to turn and he learns that the entire world will turn over when Jesus is born. And then we get to Mary. And Mary knows all of this. And we see it in her song. 
And the words we just read, Mary prepares for all of these things. Mary prepares for a world where there are tables spread with plenty of food for those who need to eat. Mary prepares for a God who will invade her ordinary life and change every, every aspect of her existence. Mary's prepared for a child who will turn the world upside down. Mary knows what this child will bring. She will learn more and more as she grows and watches and as her faith grows alongside Christ. But at this moment, Mary understands better than anyone else what the birth of Christ will mean. And as all of these thoughts invade her soul and fill her heart, she does the most magnificent thing. As Mary understands that the entire world is about to change at the birth of her son, Mary explodes in song. Music seems to pour forth from her very being. Words are not enough. Action is not enough. The only way for Mary to respond to this expectation is with song. And maybe, maybe that's why we sing so much at Christmas. I think about all the other times that we sing. We don't sing at any other time of the year like we sing at Christmas. Let's, let's do a little thought experiment. I want you to think for just a moment of your top five Christmas songs. They don't even have to be church songs. You don't have to say them out loud. Think of your top five Christmas songs. I see some eyes moving. All right, you've got, you've got five. The challenge, of course, is not coming up with five. It's limiting your list to only five. Now, I would like for you to think about your top five Thanksgiving songs. How about your top five New Year's songs? Yeah, you've only got one, and you don't even know all the words. I think about your top five birthday songs, or your top five St. Patrick's Day songs, or your top five Valentine's Day songs, even your top five Easter songs. There is no other time of the year that we sing the way we sing at Christmas. We sing because we understand what the birth of this child means. We understand that this is a birth of power that will be used for the powerless. We understand that what we expect can invade our ordinary lives at work and at home and in school. It can invade our neighborhoods and the grocery store and our cars. We understand what to expect and we know to expect it. We understand that this will turn not only our lives, but the entire world upside down and inside out. We understand that there is work to do with Christmas. We understand that we can be part of the good news to the poor and the oppressed and the hungry. We understand what this means, and the only way to respond is with song. It's to let our souls fill up and explode out of us and to sing with our friends, to sing with our neighbors, to sing with our favorite Christmas movies, to sing in the shower and sing in the car and sing as we wash the dishes and sing when we come together and worship because there's no other way to respond to this good news of the gospel than with song. Mary understood what to expect and her soul exploded in music. Friends, we are headed to Christmas. We have expectations for Christmas Day. But even more importantly, we have expectations for Christ himself. Christ who will use his power for the powerless. We know what to expect and we know that it's time to expect it. We know that Christ will turn not only our lives but our world. So let's sing. Christmas is coming before next Sunday. We have just a few days, so sing. When the children ask you your favorite Christmas song, don't just tell them, sing it with them.
Sing your songs of joy. Let your soul cry out with a joyful shout. Let your heart magnify the Lord. Expect great things from Christ and sing. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.